This episode was recorded in the late winter of 2020, so it's refreshingly free of the C word. You know, COVID. We are live. This is Frisky North of 60, a podcast about love and dating in the North. Recorded at a secluded cabin outside of Whitehorse, Yukon. My name is Karen McCall, and I'm joined with my co-host, Jordan Patrick. Hello, everybody. Jordan, did you hear the grouse earlier beating its wings? Is that what they do? You know, I haven't been certain about that, like... Is it what they're doing or is that just like the ground shifting? Because it kind of sounds like a, like a, that's gross. Because they do it like all the time. Like it'd be like four in the morning. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's spring. It's mating season, which is a perfect segue into this podcast. Hurrah. You go grouses. Yeah. Find love. Anyway, on that note, let's talk about dating in the Yukon. In this episode, I'm going to share some of my experiences dating in the Yukon and a little bit about what brought me here and keeps me here. But before we get to that, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Frisky North of 60. On this show, we'll bring you stories that shed a light on the quirky, comical, and sometimes strange side of dating north of the 60th parallel. From finding love on a canoe trip to going on dates with hunters and hipsters and navigating the interconnectedness of dating up here. You'll hear all that and more on Frisky. If you have a story to share or an idea for an episode, get in touch. Email us, friskynorthof60 at gmail.com. That's friskynorthof60 at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media. Okay, back to the show. Um, so how are you feeling today, Karen, about sharing your experiences and thoughts about dating? I think I'm feeling pretty good because I think I'm generally pretty open about my experiences. So I'm excited to see the questions you're going to fire at me. Cool. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to hear the answers. Um, let's start off by what brought you into the Yukon. Well, I think uh, my story is maybe a little bit different than a lot of other people's stories. I feel like the sort of typical story about how people came to the Yukon is they say, I came for a summer or I came for a year and I stayed for a lifetime. And for me, it was more like before I even got to the Yukon, I'd heard so much about it and I'd moved so much through my entire 20s that I basically decided I'm going to move to the Yukon and that's where I'm going to make my home before I'd even set foot here. So um, I came about six years ago and um, yeah, it's been home ever since. Where did you move from? Um, Good question. Um, I was... I was down in BC for a number of years, um, and then my first foray into the north took me to Fort Simpson, Northwest Territories, working for Parks Canada, and then I got up to Iqaluit in Nunavut, and then I went traveling and found out that I got a job in um, Haines Junction, Yukon. So I came sort of a very circuitous route, I suppose. And you started off in Haines Junction? Yes, just for a summer, and then I went back to school into Halifax, opposite coast, and then uh, and then moved back to Whitehorse in the following fall. So, what kind of impression did um, living in Haines Junction for all our listeners who don't know where that is and what it's like? What kind of impression did that leave you with when you stayed for that summer? Yeah, that's funny. So, Haines Junction is about uh, it's 160 kilometers from Whitehorse. It's got a population of about 800 people year round. Um, it's a, it's a neat town, but I, I found 
I was finding by my sort of like late 20s, early 30s that moving around a lot was getting harder and harder. Like it gets a little bit harder to get integrated into a community and people are just a little bit more settled, I guess. So I that was sort of like, okay, I need to like find my place and settle down a little bit more. So Haynes Junction was always going to be a temporary stop for me, but it at least introduced me to the Yukon and I knew that this was a place I wanted to stay. Yeah. And what a place to stay. You know, I like to spend my weekends going to Haynes Junction to escape the city of Whitehorse. <laughs> the big old city of Whitehorse. The big old city. Um, did you have an idea of what you were getting into for dating before you moved up to the Yukon? Honestly, um, as I mentioned, I'd, so I'd been in a Kaluit, which was population 7,000 and very sort of remote. Fort Simpson was population uh, about 1,200, also quite remote. And I remember actually in between those two places, I, I remember saying to a friend, like, do you ever feel like you're spending the best years of your life just sort of like wasting away in these places? And I don't, I don't mean that in, I only mean like, you know, these years of being single and just being like, hey, I'm in my like late 20s I should be like dating and like or have a partner and and there's just sort of a like a limited pool so to me moving to Whitehorse city of 30,000 people was like whoa like this is a big city so it didn't really it wasn't a factor one way or another I was just um I actually hadn't had a boyfriend for a number of years by the time I moved here or like a longer term boyfriend so I was kind of like sweet there's men here <laughs> sign me up <laughs> <laughs> yeah was there a bit of excitement on your part about how that might be a shift for you in your in your life? Yeah, I mean, I guess I wasn't in a hurry to meet someone, but it. Uh, I guess when you move somewhere, everything's new, and so exciting. Yeah, everything's new and exciting, and meeting people, and and you don't have any like you don't have any history yet. Hmm. So, you know, I when I first moved here, I heard the expression like "it's not your boyfriend, it's just your turn," insinuating that you know, there's sort of a revolving door of relationships and it's a bit of an incestuous community because it's small. And I, I remember thinking like, oh, ha ha, that's funny. When I had a totally clean slate and now five years later when I have a number of like ex-boyfriends or ex-people I've dated and I'm like, oh, actually like it is a bit weird <laughs> sometimes with how just the interconnectedness of the dating scene up here. Could you tell me a bit more about that? Like that's, <laughs> I find that really interesting. And um, of course, having lived here for six years too, like I've kind of gotten a gist of what that means. But it sounds like you're speaking from personal experience. No names. Well, course. yeah, no, let's just say that now if I go on a date with someone, I'm pretty excited if I look on Facebook and I see that we only have like a couple of mutual friends. Like I'm quite excited to date outside my friend group mm -hmm. because I've seen and I've experienced how, how relationships or breakups can sort of like tear friendships apart. And it's a hard thing. So that's definitely something I'm a bit conscious of. And it's something I've gone through too with seeing ex-boyfriends with new people. And yeah, it's, it's hard at first for sure. So if you were talking to a friend on the phone and they're like, so I see all your photos on Facebook and wow, I really want to move up there. And the first thought that comes to your head is, okay, do you know what the dating scene is like? Um, how would you describe it? The odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, okay. The stereotype up here from the perspective of my friends who I speak with 
is that there's a lot of really educated, outdoorsy, interesting women, and that there's maybe like um, a lack thereof of heterosexual men on the other side. This is like from my group of friends. And it's interesting because, I mean, I probably know like six, like half a dozen or a dozen, probably a dozen like single women that I could just like list off the top of my head. And I only know like a fraction of a number of single men. I mean, that could also just be because I'm friends with more women, but, um, I don't know. That's what I hear from the women's perspective is like, there's no man up here or you hear about, yeah, just maybe some quality issues. Mm. Quality issues. (laughs) I'm not being defensive and ask it. I'm curious. No, no. I mean, and I'm talking, I know I feel bad (laughs) saying this. Um, for what, for, I guess maybe I shouldn't say quality, but just maybe differences in what people are looking for. Which kind of makes me wonder, um, how do women meet men in the Yukon from your experience? I definitely have met people on Tinder and I've met people in real life. Um, yeah, I think sort of all of the above. It's also kind of, it's kind of special when you're like, yeah, like I asked that person out in real life. It's sort of almost like, yes, I didn't need Tinder, but but I think mm-hmm. I think Tinder is fine and I think it's been a good way to meet people as well. Um I also I guess it's funny because I didn't go to the bar for a number of years, I guess when I had a boyfriend, but I do sometimes go out now and um I will just go up to men and usually my pickup line is like, Who are you? <laughs> Which is a very like weird question. <laughs> but usually the answer I get is like who are you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm not opposed to that very direct approach also. I'm smiling ear to ear right now. <laughs> like what an original line, very confident. Um, and it, how is that working out for well, you? I'm glad you asked. Cause I, I used it, um, two weeks ago in Skagway and, um, it ended out with a outside the bar makeout. Nice. <laughs> Congratulations. Fortunately, cross-border dating is not really uh, practical right now, but cross-border dating. So speaking of being far up here, like what's the most northern dating experience you've had? Like maybe let's start off with like what is your what was maybe the most original or sort of like wow kind of date? Uh well, I'm a little bit of a a jock. So I guess I, I usually veer towards like the outdoor adventure dates, even on like the first or second date. But um, I guess sort of like a sort of a stereotypical northern date, and I'm using like air quotes here, would be uh, with a boyfriend. We've been dating for a month and a half, maybe so like six weeks. And uh, we had a couple dogs that we were using to ski jaw. So that means we had them in harnesses and attached to us. And then we also had sleds behind us or pulks with all our gear. And we went up to Fish Lake, which is the lake we talked about in a previous podcast. It's about a half an hour from Whitehorse, this beautiful sort of subalpine area. And we also were pulling this uh, in our park. We had a like a like a wall tent with a little stove in it. So we skied just, I mean, just to the end of Fish Lake. So not super far, about 10 kilometers, 12 kilometers, I think, and just set that up. But the thing to me that made it also like kind of northern is it was like in February and it was actually getting quite cold at night. And I remember, you know, whatever the sun's setting, it was probably like four o'clock or something. And it was like, okay, we need to get the tent up. Like it's getting cold, like shit's getting real, you know, things can, in, in the cold, things can get challenging quickly you know like if your hands are cold you can't put up the tent and whatnot so um so anyways we we got in there though and we set up this little wall tent and then um 
to my ex-boyfriend's credit, he he fed the stove. So there's this tiny little uh, wood stove, cut down some uh, dead trees, and uh, to his credit, he fed the stove all night, and I just stayed warm in the sleeping bag. So um, yeah, that was uh, that was, uh, and the dogs were we had them on some straw or something, and yeah, that was kind of a fun fun little little date. That yeah, I don't think I'd do that for a first date, but sort of for a early on kind of adventure. Mm -hmm. Wow. So the other extreme is the whole midnight sun experience um, come summertime. What's what's a date that stands out to you? Well, so I'm going to go a little bit outside of the rules here and um, tell you about, wasn't a date. Actually, it was me and three guys, I guess, were going on this hiking and canoe trip. And this was in the Northwest Territories, and we'd gotten to sort of the put-in. We'd driven after work, so it was probably like 8 p.m. or something. And we were going to just camp there and then start, put our canoe in the water and start paddling the next day. But we ended up seeing a black bear fairly close to where we were going to stop. And then we're like, do we really want to camp right near where we saw a bear? We're like, let's just get loaded up, go down a ways, and um, just camp a few kilometers down. So we ended up... Yeah, loading up, getting in our boats. We had two canoes, four of us. We went down, found this beautiful little island, unloaded our gear. And then I was like, okay, so like, where's the second tent? And everybody's like, what's like, everybody looked at their stuff and they're like, I thought you had it. I thought you had it. And (laughs) so we ended up, so there's four of us and just one two person tent. And I think my friend also had two dogs. So anyway, so we had to paddle back upstream to get our tent. Luckily, it was a very, it was like a very slow, it was a little yard river, which is actually, might be in the Northwest Territories, it might be Northern BC, sort of right on that border there. Very slow river. And my dear friend and I um, volunteered to go and he was kind of grumpy about it. And I was like, whatever, it is what it is. And so we started paddling back upstream, but it ended up being one of my most memorable to this day, Northern experiences, because it was the most beautiful summer night. And it's like, it was like getting on like midnight and we're paddling, but there's still light out and it was just so calm. There was no bugs. And it was just like being like, I would never take back the fact that we forgot our tent. And anyway, so we got back to the car, we got the tent, we went downstream and had met up with our friends again at like two in the morning and had this like lovely bonfire and all was good. And yeah, it's just, it was Sometimes you need an excuse to be canoeing at midnight, and that was just the perfect time. So, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't a date, but it was sort of one of those like northern experiences that is very yeah, that's just very special to me. Wow, I'm kind of surprised that you guys managed to talk yourselves into canoeing upstream to get a tent rather than share a tent with four other dudes. <laughs> yeah, good point. I mean, if the table was turned. I would be hard pressed to be. Well, yeah, that water is moving pretty quick there. I think we should all get comfortable with you know. Yeah, that's funny actually. I, but unfortunately, not unfortunately, but um, I think all of them had either partners or wives, and I feel like it would have been. I made that not assumption. I, not ideal. Yeah. Also, they were my dear <laughs> friends, or still are. But yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> A boundaries, under the boundaries. Sun. <laughs> yeah. Disaster gone well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm reminded I've had a few, a few dates too that I mentioned in our previous episode that just didn't, you know, were almost like a limit test. And uh, 
and yeah, it's always great when one of those, you know, those situations works out well. Yeah, you can sometimes learn a lot about people when things are not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my mom always used to say, like, before you get married, you should go traveling with your partner to see, you know, if how they can handle. You can see them at their best and the worst, which is really ironic because before she married my dad, she went traveling for six months without him. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> they're still married. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, seeing someone in when times get a bit tough is very revealing, I think. So um, do you have any advice for men seeking women in the Yukon? <laughs> I think just be yourself and be respectful. I think... Um, I think sometimes, I mean, there's a lot of pretty hardcore women out here, women who hunt, women who do all sorts of outdoorsy stuff, women who rip on mountain bikes. And I think sometimes that can be intimidating for men, but I think also like not every woman is looking for the guy that can like climb a mountain faster than them too. Like I think what draws people together is all sorts of different things. And so I think, um, especially maybe when you get a little bit older, you're more interested in like, is that person a good person and do our values line up and do they make me laugh? For example. Um, so yeah, I think just, um, being open-minded and open to trying new things. Hmm. That's solid advice. What about for women seeking men? Do you have any general <laughs> advice for them? Speak to your experience. Ooh, um, I think just, yeah, I think just don't get, don't get down about it. Like sometimes I've been there too, like you've gone through all your Tinder possibilities. You're getting like one new person coming up a day and you're just like, no, no, no. And then you can be like, ah, there's no, there's nobody here for me. And I think, I mean, I think, yeah, there is going to be people. It just might take a bit of time. And I think there's a lot of other great things in the Yukon other than, partners to date and um, a lot of great things to do and a lot of great friendships and I think focus on the positive and things will come around. Mm. Well, I don't know if you want to get into this or not, but you'd shared like um, that you decided to get out of the dating scene a while back and you had something like a year of singledom planned mm-hmm. out or something. Do you want yeah. to, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So I guess... <laughs> I had been in a relationship for a couple of years at one point and it was sort of coming around the fall and I was like, okay, next year I'm just going to be single. I'm going to work on personal development. I'm going to work on different things. And two two months later I met someone and that all went out the window and we dated for a full year basically. And then, so then when that ended, I was like, okay, now like single Karen and, um, Interestingly enough, for about half of the year, I actually had no interest in dating. Like my heart, it felt like it had this like protective casing around it. Like it just, it wasn't ready to love or to hurt again, I guess. Um, And then sometime in that year, I was like, okay, I'm ready to get back out there. And so I did date. And I'm not going to say that if I met the man of my dreams, I wouldn't have broken my year of single Karen. But it was actually a really... It was probably the best thing because I did reconnect with friends and I'd always actually sometimes breaking up for me. The anxiety for me is like losing an adventure buddy. Like, who am I going to do this cool canoe trip with this summer if I don't have a boyfriend or so like the specific boyfriend? And I think it was just really empowering to be like, I have a lot of really amazing friends who I 
who make my life fulfilling and I don't need a boyfriend. Like a boyfriend is like the icing and would be like lovely. But um, yeah, it just, um, I'd, I'd sort of lost, I, I have a downside I've had in relationships sometimes is I, I spend too much time with my partner and I do everything. Like I date someone who we have everything in common so we can do all the fun things together. And, um, and then I really draw away from my friends. And so that's what I'm looking for moving forward is, um, yeah, not just finding more, more balance. So mm. yeah, no, I think that was a really great experience. And now I'm in 2020 and I'm still single, but as I said earlier, I'm in a good place and yeah, time, time will deliver. Mm. Actually a tarot card reader I saw in January said that, um, I will be courted in a few months, four to six months or something. She's like, it's somebody you already know and maybe they've had a crush on you for a while. <laughs> anyway, I'm choosing I'm choosing to believe the tarot card reader until proven otherwise. <laughs> it does, uh, it, letting go does take that pressure off. Eh? So we're getting to the end of our, our, uh, our episode today and I'd like to thank you for sharing uh, your experiences with us, Karen. Thanks for all your questions. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Stay frisky. Stay frisky. This episode was recorded in Whitehorse, Yukon. Music by Jordan Patrick. I did the producing and editing. Do you want to sponsor us so we can hire a real producer? Or maybe you have feedback or want to be interviewed on this show. Email us frisky north of 60 at gmail.com that's frisky north of 60 at gmail.com or you can find us on social media